Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. I have for years jokingly said, I want to preach a sermon on what the seven thunders said, because, uh, you know, it's sealed up and no one knows what they said, and there's always some bizarre book at the bookstore, and they'll have something about what the seven thunders said, and it's, it's crackpot stuff, and uh, so I wanted to preach a crackpot sermon, and I said, I, I'm going to preach someday on that, and lo and behold, you look at your title today, and you can see where we're going. I'm not going to tell you what they said, because I don't know. But there's a principle at work that comes out in this remarkable incident um, that does apply to us. And it, we're talking today about hearing the Lord, how we hear Him, and how we respond when He speaks to us. Heavenly Father, come now and open our spiritual ears. Open our eyes that we might see the things of God. We would be men and women with soft hearts, not hard hearts. We would be friends of God who walk in your ways and know your ways. Lord, draw us to be that kind of men and women and open the word to us. And I ask for grace that we would hear your voice and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'll, I'll read here at uh, chapter 10, verse 1, just four verses. John says, I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven. Clothed with a cloud and a rainbow, the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book which was open, and he placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now this is a large angel, you would have to say. I thought it was just an angel, and that's what I have said before. I think it's just an angel, but I don't think that anymore. And I'll tell you why. He's got that phrase in here where it says that he's wrapped with a cloud. Uh, clothed, mine says, with a cloud. But the word in the Greek is literally wrapped around with a cloud. That's a strange phrase. Angels didn't wear clouds. Uh, later on, we find they wear beautiful linen, linen robes with golden sashes. So they don't need clouds. What's this cloud? Why did he even say such a thing? Well, if you let your mind go back, to the book of Exodus, you'll recall that there was an angel that was wrapped with a cloud that led the people of Israel by day. You recall that? And the pillar of fire by night. And who was it who was in that cloud? It was the Lord himself. It was the pre-incarnate Christ. Yes, it was. And so I think there's an indication John is telling us, because interestingly, immediately we're going to turn to the nation of Israel. That's what comes in chapter 11 and chapter 12 as he begins to uh, talk about specifically God's saving work with that last generation of, of Jews in the land of Israel. But here you have this great angel clothed or wrapped with a cloud. And, and then you have the picture of the rainbow. His, he shines with such light there is a glowing rainbow around his head and his face like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire, which we've seen uh, earlier as a description of Jesus himself. And then he had in his hand, and I would suppose it's his left hand because he raises his right hand in an oath, a little book. It's a strange word. It's the only place that word is used. Um, it's a little book 
and it was open, and he's huge. And now let's listen to this, verse 3. And he cried out with a loud voice, and as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. That's for Steve Shell, millennia from now. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you what they said. I don't know. What happened there? I mean, did God sort of say something and they go, oops, shouldn't have said that. Erase that, John. Would you back the tape up? Why, why does he want it sealed? He says something. The Lord Jesus, I think it is, says this, this great shout. It's like a roar of a lion. And John hears words. John knows what he said. And he's about to write down the statements that were made. And yet, the Lord says, no, seal it up. Well, God isn't, isn't, didn't misspeak. There's a reason he wants it sealed. And the reason is people won't understand. They will not comprehend this now. Seal it up for another time. God spoke it. We're going to know it. Someday, it will come out what was declared. There will come a time when we need to hear those words. But that time wasn't then. He said, seal it up, and it's for another time. How do you respond when God says something you didn't want to hear? Let me ask that again. How do you respond when God says something you didn't want to hear? How we answer that question is one of the most important indicators of our spiritual health. Because what is revealed by our response is our integrity. So let me ask again. How do you respond when God tells you to do something that frightens you? Or costs more than you're willing to give? Or seems to be something a person as important as yourself shouldn't have to bother with? Let the little people do it. Not only does it matter what we answer God... But the way we respond at the very moment when we hear his voice is just as important and exposes the true motives of our heart. In a vision, John saw a huge angel standing with one foot on the sea and the other on the land. And then he cried out with a voice so loud it sounded like a lion roaring. And then it echoed through the atmosphere, producing seven great peals of thunder. But the sound John heard wasn't thunder at all. It was God's voice. And John understood the words that were spoken. In fact, he almost wrote them down before God told him to seal them up, meaning they would not be understood and should remain hidden until a future time. Of course, we don't know what was said, but there's a principle at work here we shouldn't miss. There's a reason why God's voice sounds like thunder to some people, but can clearly be understood by others. And that's what we want to look at more closely. Following Jesus Christ always tests our hearts. I pretty well know it's from the Lord. Uh, this, I, you can mistake this, but it is one of the things I will note. I love to hear him tell me he loves me. I love to hear him tell me 
my sins are washed away. There's a lot of things I just receive easily. But when the Lord guides me and challenges me to take uh, various steps of faith, I can pretty well tell it's him because I don't like it. You know, some people run around, you know, kind of with, oh, God told me this and God told me that. And, and, and you can tell God, God isn't even in the equation. But I've found that when he really challenges me, there's something about it. There's always an obstacle there. I'm always being asked to go against my comfort zone. Amen? You know that comfort zone? Yeah. I'm being challenged to have faith, to believe that he will do what he promises. So I've got to step out. He's not gonna, he hasn't shown me anything yet. He's just said he'll do it, and I've got to believe that he will actually do it. There's always that factor. I have to have courage to obey when fear rises up. Much of what he asks us to do seems overwhelming. I can't do that. This is too hard. I haven't the money. There's all of these obstacles, and I have to step forward trusting God will answer me. I have to have courage. Humility is another one. Sometimes he asks us to do things, and I'm very serious about this, that seem beneath you. I mean, surely there are other people. I joked about, let the little people do it. But there's something inside us that says, you've got to be kidding. I mean, there's got to be other people that could do that, not me. I mean, there's a pride thing there. It depends on how you're wired. What God asks of you is either too little or it's too hard. So if you, lack, if you need courage, it's too hard. If you need humility, it's too little. And then, of course, the reason we do anything for God is love. We have to stop putting our own needs first. It no longer is about me. It becomes about the Lord and his love for people. And so I do things and go places, not because I want to, in some sort of personal fulfillment, but because the love of Christ within me constrains me. I care about you. I care about people. And it draws me to do things out of my comfort zone. Amen? Well, when the Lord's, there are different ways, let's look at some of the human responses. There are different ways people can respond when they hear God tell them to do something they don't want to do. I mean, we all have a good time when he tells us to do something we want to do. We're on the ones he, we don't want to do. And the first thing is, and that's what I draw out of the principle here in this seven thunders, we pretend confusion. I'm not sure that was God. Um, I'm confused. Lord, was that really you? I don't understand. I need more confirmation. We go through this routine. What we call confusion is often a way of avoiding responsibility for disobedience. So I say, I'm confused. I don't understand. I need more information. I need confirmation. It wouldn't be wise to just jump out on that one statement of the Lord. And you see, the safe thing about this is, I can disobey and not be guilty. Because I'm not defying him. I'm just confused. I'm not sure if it is his will or not. Would never want to get ahead of God. Never want to get out in front of God. So I just won't do anything. Isn't that a lovely system? Now, I know you've never seen it or thought of such a thing, but... It, it has happened, and historically, there was a person named Gideon who did that. So we can, we can pick on him. Remember Gideon? 
Judges 6 and 7. I won't take you there. I'll just remind you the thing. The Lord finds Gideon in a, in a wine press. In other words, a, a, a sunken spot in the ground. And he's threshing his wheat. And so he's down there below eye level. Uh, because the Midianites come raiding through and take anything that the, the, the people of Israel have at that point in time. And so he's down in this hole in the ground, threshing his wheat, and the Lord shows up physically. I mean, it's the Lord, the, the, the angel of the Lord, and in that case, it was generally the pre-incarnate Christ. He shows up, just like he did with Abraham and Sarah, and he says, oh, valiant warrior. What? You know, it's this, this kind of thing down there. Valiant warrior, you're going to lead my people against Midian. And, we're going to have, and, and, and I love uh, Gideon's response. He just says, are you kidding? Things are terrible around here. And he just goes through this litany of how bad everything is. That's my man. And, uh, <laughs> and then the Lord says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a, a great warrior and give you a great victory. And he says, um, uh, if it's really you, because he's standing in front of me. If it's really you, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get an, a sacrifice. And I'll bring it back and I want like you to be here when I get back. He says, all right, I'll wait. And so the Lord, he's there. The Lord waits for him. He comes back. He puts this offering on a rock. And the Lord takes his staff and touches the rock. And it, the whole thing goes up in flame. I mean, lights it on fire. with its, That would be a clue, wouldn't it? <laughs> that at least something's afoot here. Gideon says, no, nah, you know, something takes place in between. But Gideon then goes, I, I need further confirmation. I want to be sure. You know, is it really me you're asking? And is this really you, God? So I'm going to put this fleece out, this, this sheepskin. And, and if, it's, uh, if it's wet in the morning and the ground's dry, then, then I'll know it's you, okay? All right. Wakes up next morning and wring bowlfuls of water out of this, this sheepskin and the ground's bone dry. All right. But... I still can't be just sure it's you. See, I, I, I need a little more confirmation. So how about in the morning if I wake up and the sheepskin is perfectly dry and the ground is wet? Okay, we do that. We, sure enough, things perfectly dry, the ground is soaked. Well, I got to hand it to Gideon. When he finally does suit up and play, he really does it. Because the thing that's going to be asked of him is he's going to attack 135,000 Midianites with 300 troops. Now, that takes a lot of guts. Amen. You know, can you imagine, in the middle of the night, you circle this enormous camp of warriors with a, with a torch and a pot and a trumpet, and you go running and screaming down the hill, hoping you'll scare them. <laughs> now, it worked. But I mean, you know, this could be your death march easily. So you got to hand it to Gideon. When he finally did get convinced, he, he showed up. People like to get in this place where it's safe. It says, I'm not defying God. I just don't know. One of the words that uh, people love to toss around today is, is uh, agnostic. I don't really know if there is a God or not. Now, I'm not saying there isn't. But I'm not saying there is. I'm an agnostic. The Greek word is the A on the front, which is a, a negation. Agnosis is the word for knowledge. So agnosis means without knowledge. Now, the Latin is not as complimentary. Ignoramus. <laughs> and, and idiotes. You know, those, I don't know if there's a God or not. I'm an ignoramus. Uh, it, 
they were, I, I, I came to mind because I just saw the, the director of that movie, Amazing Grace, uh, was, they, he said, I, he was a, he's an agnostic, and, and uh, you want to say it like that, agnostic. Um, so he's not sure, but he did, did admire uh, William Wilberforce for being a man of character. What a safe place to be, but it isn't. And that's what the point I want us to look at today. We're gaming God. We deceive and we play games with him. And it's a very dangerous game, quite honestly, because of what it does to our hearts. Would you look with me at John chapter 12? And I want to show you an example of this very thing taking place. John chapter 12. I want you to notice what happens when people hear things they're uncomfortable hearing. It isn't what they expected. It isn't what they really wanted to hear. Watch what happens. I, I'm going to start at verse 20, but I'm just going to narrate it for you for a second. A group of Greeks come to, the, to see Jesus. And uh, he's in Jerusalem. And there's feasts going on and all, and, and uh, these Greeks aren't probably Jews. These aren't just Jew, Greeks who are Jews. These are real Greeks, and they've shown up, and they come and talk to Philip. Philip was uh, raised in a town, Bethsaida, which is right next to the Decapolis, where we're, you had a lot of Greek cities in those days. So Philip's probably fluent in Greek. And they go to Gr Philip, and they say, we would see Jesus. We'd like to hear from him. We've heard about him. Philip goes to Andrew. Andrew and Philip go to Jesus, and Jesus is willing to talk, to talk to these Greeks. Now listen to what he says. Now these are Greeks just kind of curious, I think. They've heard about Jesus, and here's, here's what they get. Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. My soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, can you imagine these Greeks? Okay. And then watch what happens. Jesus cries out, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying, you, you tell me what they said, <laughs> that it thundered. Did you hear a voice? I didn't hear a voice. I heard thunder. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Notice the difference. God speaks from heaven, and some people don't hear a voice. They hear noise. Some people hear a voice and say an angel has spoken. What's the difference? Why do some people hear a voice, and some people just hear thunder? What's going on? Ver next verse. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. God's speaking to you. 
And then he implies judgment is upon the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. You're responsible for what you've just heard. There's a warning here. God will stop speaking if we refuse to honestly dialogue with him. The way I respond to the Lord decides whether I can hear his voice or not. I affect my hearing. People become dull of hearing, dull of seeing spiritually, and hardened of heart by a lifetime of choices. We make choices, whether to respond with integrity or whether to game the Lord and other people. Your integrity, your character is something you've chiseled. Nobody else is responsible for your character. Yes, indeed, we all face abuse and difficulties, some of us more than others. But how we choose to respond is our character, and that is your choice alone. Your character has been formed by a multitude of thousands of choices. What do you do under pressure? What do you do when you have to admit to your own, your own guilt or, your own, or get yourself in trouble by telling the truth? Do you tell the truth or do you not tell the truth? Do you lie? Do you game? Do you joke? How do you handle it? We fall into patterns and we chisel our character. That's how ears get dull. That's how eyes get blind. That's how hearts get hard. We harden them. And so, here you have a thing where God speaks, and some can hear it, and some can't. Turn with me now to Matthew 21. We see this in action. Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. God will stop speaking if we refuse to honestly dialogue with him. Let's see that at work. Jesus entered the temple, Matthew 21, verse 23, and the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? All these miracles, all this you're doing, who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you will tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. All right, you're asking me a question. I will give you the answer depending on how you answer my question to you. All right, let's see what the question is. Verse 25. The baptism of John, that's John the Baptist, was from what source? From heaven or from men? Oh, John the Baptist had taken the country by storm. Thousands had gone out to the, to the Jordan River to be baptized, he's out there uh, calling on Israel to repent, telling them they're a brood of vipers, um, that they've been walking away from God, that the, the, that the Messiah was coming, and that they were going to be in big trouble if they didn't repent and prepare their hearts for him. And so Jesus says, you tell me, was he a true prophet or was he just a, a religious nut? And they began to reason among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say then, why didn't you believe him and get baptized yourself? Kind of. But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, you tell me what they said. Oh, there you go. I don't know. I'm an agnostic. Isn't that a lovely safe position to take? We don't know. 
What are they doing? Well, they're politically reasoning. They're playing chess. This isn't about integrity. This isn't about getting down to the bottom of their hearts and talking about spiritual matters which really are important to them. It is entirely about winning. They want to win. They don't want to know the truth. And notice the Lord's answer. In answering Jesus, they said, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus will not talk to people who will not deal with him honestly. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still doesn't like people that game him. He still doesn't like dishonesty. He talks to people who are honest with him. And I'm going to show you even people who are not polite. But he stops talking when we start playing games and we're dishonest. People say once in a while, I, have, I haven't heard God speak to me for a long time or I've really never heard God speak. It's my opinion that God speaks to every man and woman. And so, it isn't that he's not talking. It's something wrong with your ears. How did they get deaf? How did they get dull? Why does it sound like thunder to you? Why isn't his voice clear? What happened? I think it tells us something about the way we've been responding when he talks. In particular, when he tells us things we don't want to hear. Let me show you another way we can respond. First two, uh, number two, words without commitment. Sometimes what we do is we, we answer him the, the answer. He says, I want you to do this thing. And, and so we give him a quick yes. I have no choice. You're God. I can't get out of this. So the answer is yes. But we do not commit. We say the right words, but without determining inside to fulfill them. I'll tell you what you want to hear, but I have, take no responsibility to act them out. You'll have to make that happen somehow if you can. I think this is a plague in the American society today. I think it's the way we deal with each other constantly. Isn't it? People will tell you anything you want to hear with absolutely no commitment to do what they said. And then if you have the nerve to hold them accountable, to show up or do what they said they would do, you're a legalist, you're harsh, you're abusive, they can't believe their ears that you're so stupid. I won't ask for an amen, but isn't it true? That's the American society right now. Just say whatever needs to be said. Get them off your back, but don't, you're under no obligation to fulfill your word. Let me, you're, you're there in Matthew 21. Jesus, on this very subject, tells this parable immediately following. Let's see it. Verse 28. Well, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. It's my man. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Look at that. And the man came to the second and said the same thing. And he answered, I love this. I will, sir. I mean, notice we even get flowery and 
Oh, my father. Yes, wise, ancient one. But he did not go. So he gives him all the right words, but absolutely no commitment to do it. And Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. Religious people who'd said all the right words, but weren't doing it. And he said, these tax collectors and prostitutes who poured out by the droves to John and have repented and been baptized and are, and are, and are coming to me now and, and seeking to walk with God, they're, gonna, they're on their way to heaven. But you who give the right words, but with no commitment in your heart. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. He called you to righteousness and to repentance. You did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they did believe him. And you seeing this, watching people repent by the thousands, did not even feel remorse concerning your own sin afterwards so as to believe him and repent. Saying the right words without determining inside to fulfill them. Let's look at another way we respond. Honest refusal. Now believe it or not, I think this is much better. I heard you, God. You ask me to do this hard thing, but I'm not willing to do it. <laughs> I'm not willing to obey right now. And if I were going to do it, you would have to change my mind. Do you know that that's actually a good place to be? We're finally honest. No way I'm going to do that. That's crazy. I can't do something like that. That's a quote from Moses at the burning bush. Right? You go through it. You'll find men and women all through the Bible who gave him that answer. My, one of my favorites is Jonah. I love Jonah. Lord says, go to Nineveh, which is, it, Nineveh is north of Iraq. It's, it's up there in what's now, what, uh, Iran or Turkey. And that would be Turkey, southern Turkey. And Nineveh's up there, and the, this is a growing military uh, empire that in, in, in 100 years is going to come and butcher them all. And he hates the Ninevites. God says, go up to Nineveh and prophesy so I don't destroy him. And, and Jonah knows perfectly well God's a merciful God and they're very likely to repent and this is horrible. So where does he go? He heads to Tarshish, which is Spain. All right, so he goes due west and this thing is north, northeast. Almost 180 degrees. This is my man. Are you kidding and he gets on, not only does he say no, he heads to Spain. God's got no problem with people like this. He can get that kind of person to Nineveh, can't he? <laughs> it's a bit of a ride. But it's okay to say no to him. It's not okay to lie to him. It's not okay to game him. It's not okay to say, I'm not, I have no idea what he said. That's dishonest. And what happens there is you harden your ears and after a while you can't hear his voice because you have been so dishonest when he has talked to you. It's gotten mush inside you. It's fine to say, I know what you said. I can't believe you asked me to do that. I can't possibly do that. Ask somebody who's spiritual or tall. Telling God no, telling him why, and telling him he'll have to change your mind. You bet he pursued Jonah. 
You'd far rather have God pursue you than go silent. Nothing's worse than when he goes silent. Now, I'll give you what I would call the, the, the best of these options. This is number four. I actually wrote down originally desperate obedience, but I thought that sounded a little too edgy. But it's really probably what it is. Dependent obedience is the term I came up with. God, I'll do what you ask me unless you... Uh, pardon me. I'll do what you ask, but unless you help me, every step of the way, I'll fail. That's that kind of, okay... I'll try, I'll bet I'm going to fail, but I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to hang on to you moment by moment and trust you, and we'll see what happens. That'll do it. That'll do it. When, I, uh, when the Lord asked me over the, the last few weeks, I, was, uh, to, I, I had said yes to speaking at our Bible college. I had said yes to Papua New Guinea a long time ago. I had said, yeah, I mean, I had no choice about the cabinet meetings and the board meetings, but I didn't realize they all bunched into one set of like three weeks. And when I looked at the scenario in front of me, I was overwhelmed, I thought, because I was already tired, really tired. And I thought, oh my goodness, I got to get out of this. How am I going to get out of this? And I hoped I would get sick. Went around, you know, all of you are sneezing. I'm standing there in it. No, I... Yeah. I was healthy as a horse. Um, then my passport was up. Uh-huh. And you know, the big crowd for the passport. And I thought, I won't get a passport. Oh, well, what are you going to do? No passport, can't go. Sure enough, I got my passport. Had to, you know... Um, and so what, as I faced the thing, everything in me wanted, wanted to say, Lord, this is simply too much for me. I don't want to go. I don't want to get on a plane. I don't want to do any of this. I was tired. And the Lord spoke this to me. And he said, don't look at the whole thing. Take it one day at a time. Have you heard him say that? Don't look at the whole thing. Take it one day at a time. I will give you grace for that day. And I did. It's the way I had to take it, one day at a time. And one day led to the next, and to the next, and to the next, and to the next. And I went through the whole thing. And here's the odd deal. I came back, and yeah, I was, I, you know, I'm just still coming out a little bit out of jet lag. But I came back stronger than I left. Now, how do you do that? You see, when God asks you to do something too hard for you, he's also committing himself to carry you through it and to do the miracles necessary. When God asks you to do something too humble for you, it's because he intends to do a great thing. He's not just toying with you. He might be breaking your pride because it needs to be broken, but he's, it's, it's never a game. There's always something that must come here, and that when you do it, you're going to see. You just don't see what he has in mind. You aren't seeing his, his picture. Whatever God asks us to do, we can do. If he asks us to do it, where he guides, he provides. Say that. Where he guides, he provides. 
Yeah. So whatever he does tell you to do, you can do it. You can do it. And this whole process of letting fear come swelling up, it says, oh, that's the enemy's way of stopping us from walking in God. Matthew 6.34 says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. Now, I want to talk to you about the divine response. I want you to tell, tell you what happens when I stop playing games, I stop saying it thundered, I stop saying, you know what we do say? We don't say it thundered, we say it was pizza. <laughs> That's the modern phrase for it. Must have been something I ate, indigestion, I don't know. That's a dangerous deal. I mean, if it was pizza... I mean, we all, don't we all know what indigestion and dreams are like when you have eaten a bad meal? They're usually not telling you to step out in mission or serve somebody. That's usually not what I dream about when I've had a bad meal. Yeah. God rewards those who, listen, this is the precious thing. God rewards those who obey him by opening their ears to hear his voice even more. I said that we form our character in a sense. We harden our own hearts. We... When we walk in the light we have, God does what? He gives us more light. When we refuse the light we have, we get less light and more darkness. Look at John 15. We sang it earlier. John 15, verse 14 and 15. I'd like you to read both those verses out loud with me. John 15, verse 14. Here we go. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Would you look at that carefully? He said, if, I, if we do what he commands us, if we're obedient... He calls us friends. And here's what he says about friends. We're not slaves, but he reveals to his friends all things that he has heard from his Father. Jesus will reveal to us all things. I mean, get your mind around that a minute. Did you hear what he said? He will open up understanding of the, of the things of God to us at a level we hardly, under, hardly can comprehend. A number of years ago, the Lord kept echoing in my heart. It was just about two years ago. He, he was echoing in my heart this phrase. To him who has, shall more be given. Now, I've only heard that phrase up to that point. I'd really only heard it in terms of, of, of giving money. That If I give money, I get more money. Hop the giddy dog, you know. And honestly, money doesn't motivate me that much. And so it's like, whatever. And, and he kept saying it. To him who has, shall more be given. To him who has, shall more be given. So I, I, I was reading, and I came across this verse. Look with me at Matthew 13. This is the last verse I want to show you. Matthew 13. And I'll start at verse 10. And the, and the disciples came to him. And they've just heard in, in a great crowd um, the parable of the sower. And they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, 
To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. I speak parables because they can't understand it. But you, my disciples, it has have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Now here, look, verse 12. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. He's not talking about money. He's talking about revelation. He's talking about insight and opening up to the things of God. To him who has ears to hear, eyes to see, to whom there is a soft, receptive heart who will listen to the voice of God, more and more and more of the light of God will be given to you. But he doesn't stop there. He will have an abundance, but whoever does not have ears to hear and eyes to see, who's dulled their hearts, who's refused to listen to the voice of God, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And then he quotes Isaiah, which describes the process. In verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, yours, the disciples, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Ears become dull by refusing to hear. Eyes become dull by refusing to see. Hearts become cold by refusing to love. Our character and the depth of our walk with God is the culmination of choices we've made over a lifetime. Here's how I would suggest we hear God more. First of all, don't play games with Him. Respond with integrity, even if it's no. My wife was a little nervous about me saying that. She said, oh boy, she says, I know, I know it's true, but even if it's no, be honest. But I would add, no, but you'll have to change my opinion. And then, of course, duck. <laughs> you say, well, why would I say it? No, be honest, just say it. Choose to be his friend by practicing regular surrender. You'll find that in worship and in, in the process of life, God is constantly bringing us back to that place of surrender and release. Amen? I, I say to him, I surrender my life, and then I take it again, and then I take it again, and then I take it again. Giving my life to him is a process. Last weekend, and I don't remember which service it was, I had stepped forward, and I, I was taking communion, and I had there the broken bread and the cup, and I was dealing with some fear. And the Lord, the Lord showed me that the root of the fear was pride. And then he said this, and I quote, Will you let me break your pride? You've got to be kidding. I mean, think of that. Will you let me break your pride? And I, can we talk about this? What did you have in mind? How, how, how are you going to do that? Will, will it hurt? Am I going to... I mean, I'm serious. This is going through my head, man. This is, the kind, this is whether I said it or... And, and actually, I did say it, because I know he knows everything anyway. Why bother hiding it? And, and, and I, said, I said, Lord, what are you going to do? <laughs> and, and then I actually concluded, well, I've been here before, and I'm not so stupid as to say yes. <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, I have been here before. And I've also found that when he, I finally did say yes to him, it may have been painful, but whatever he brought of it was life. And then I thought, so do you want to stay with this fear? Do you like it? 
want to kind of get used to the fear and live with it? And I thought, no, I'm sick of the fear. It's taken my joy for years. I hate this thing. All right, God. And, and, I, and, I, and I said it and I meant it. I said, you may break my pride. And I took the communion and I said, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Here's what he said. That's it. I said, what's it? He said, that's it. You gave it to me. I don't need to do anymore. If I'd only known that on the front end. <laughs> it would have been a lot quicker. But of course, if I had, it wouldn't have been worth anything. <laughs> like, oh, sure, you can have it. God wants us to deal with him honestly. Even in that dialogue, I, was, I, I didn't just go, sure, yes, of course. Don't we sing these songs? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, baloney. It's fine to sing them as sort of a confession of faith that this is where we're all headed. The Lord wants from us honesty. And when we play a game, I don't know that that was him. I think that was thunder. Something's dying inside. It's far better to say, I heard you and I didn't like it. That frightens me. You got to be kidding. Why me? Now you're talking like Moses. You see that? Even when you head the wrong direction. Now you're sounding like Jonah. He can get you where he wants you with that kind of honesty. It's the dishonesty he can't work with. And he doesn't like it. And he refuses to dialogue with dishonesty. Would you stand with me? What a promise that we would be friends of God. That we who obey his commandments, that we who walk honestly and openly with him. You know, we often make fun of Peter, don't we? Because he opened his mouth and he said stuff and he reacted from the heart. We make fun of the very thing that established Peter as the leader of the early church. Peter in his, what we call his big mouth, and he put his foot in his mouth again, and we ridicule Peter for engaging honestly and boldly and openly. And when Peter was done, he was an apostle like, there's nobody better than Peter. He's the one the Lord gave the leadership of the early church to. Because he could trust Peter. Peter learned his lessons. Who today needs to say, I have gone into that safe zone. I thought it was safe. I really realize now it's deadly where I, I pretended I didn't know what God's will was. I needed more guidance. I, I needed further confirmation. I've, I've been in that zone feeling that somehow I was fooling even God. And I realize now I'm not fooling anybody. 
maybe myself. I know what God has said to me. I don't know how to cope with it. I don't know what to do. Maybe it frightens me. Maybe it's overwhelming. But I'm not going to say it thundered. I'm not going to say it was pizza. I'm going to say it's the Lord. Who needs to say, I acknowledge the word of the Lord to me, and I know what it was. Lift your hand and hold it up. Goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Hold it up then. Keep it up. Father God, here we are. We, some of us may be Jonah. Some of us may be Peter. But we're not going to play games with you. We may be afraid of your will. We may wonder what you're going to do to us. We may wonder how on earth you'll provide for us. We may not see the answer and have been hesitant to step out. But we will not. We will not harden our ears. We will not dull our eye. We will not make our heart confused It did not thunder. It was not pizza. It was not indigestion. It was not a foolish moment of of, of emotion. When you've spoken to us, it's a precious thing. We hear you. Lion of Judah. We hear you. Loud and clear. And we just bring ourselves to you in full integrity and say, Lord, we want to obey. Give us grace. Take our hand. Help us. We acknowledge we're weak, but we acknowledge also you're mighty and strong. And you can do all things. So the answer in the heart today is yes, sir with a commitment to fulfill what we've said day at a time. We're not going to go out and accomplish great things. Just day at a time. We're going to put our hand in yours and let you do the great thing that you have planned. Blessed be the Lord. Would you pray after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for forming me in my mother's womb. For having a plan for my days ordering every one of them. I say yes to you with full commitment to take your hand, rely on your strength day at a time and follow you in your plan for my life. If I have said it thundered, if I have played that agnostic game, I repent of it now. Thank you for speaking to your son or daughter. Thank you for your voice. What a precious gift that you would speak to me. Never again will I, will I disregard your voice or put it aside. It is a gift to me. I would have my eyes open, my ears unopened. I would be a friend of God that I might know the mysteries of the Lord. Teach me more and more, my Father, my dear friend, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. 
There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written. 